Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to search your word for in it we find our faith, or in it we find our life, or in it we find that truth about who you are, God, what you want to do in our lives, God. And that's why we're here. There's so many questions. We're so confused, God. Some of us have come here and not even knowing why we're here, God. We're just, um, just here. If you would please let your spirit move to hear the things that you would have us to hear, God. That a word of prophecy would come forth from your spirit, God. That a word of correction and rebuke, especially words of encouragement today. God, in my prayer that this conversation, especially for today's word, to comfort those that are hurting and confused today. May be your word and your spirit that we need on. Concerning the fiery trial 
which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Please give me your attention. Verse 12 starts out, Beloved, Christian, lover of God, do not think it strange when you're going through the furnace a fiery trial, not just a trial, not just like you lost your job, not, I mean, like financial woe that you can't pay your bills, a broken family, uh, health, the fiery, don't think it strange. But why would anybody think it strange? We all know that everybody, everybody goes through trials, but we all know that everybody else goes. But here's what we do in our heart. Not only to each other, but unfortunately to ourselves. We have fallen into the American version of Christianity. And, and this American version of Christianity, unfortunately, has spread throughout the world to believe in what is called the gospel of prosperity or the prosperity gospel. It thus must be, if you are walking with the Lord and you are close to God, and everything in your life is holy, then you must be making good money. And you must have a really good church. And you must not be getting sick. And your kids must all, I mean, certainly, if you have a kid who's not walking with the Lord, well, of course, it's your fault. You did something wrong, right? And this is what we do to each other. Worse than that, not only what we do to each other, we do it to ourselves. We tell ourselves, what did I do wrong? Understand, why would you let this happen to me? Are you guys understanding me? Okay, am I wrong here? Possibly, this is nothing. Let me put it with the same, um, same emotion. That I believe I hear him saying it to me. Love Don't think it's strange in some fiery trial which is to try you. It's though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Let me read you a couple of other verses that coincide with this because, as we know, we study to show ourselves approved, a workman, we need not be ashamed, rightly divided the word of truth. In other words, what's the best interpretation of the Bible? The Bible. Learn about the Bible by reading the Bible. We don't take one verse and build our own religion or faith on it. James. The very half brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, who he wrote in his very first chapter of the book we just studied a couple months ago. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, which may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So I don't understand. Why? So why are we so sure that if we've done something wrong, we deserve to be punished? Why are we so sure that if we've done something 
and something bad has happened to us, then it's obvious we've done something wrong. God must be mad at us. Really good reason for that. Because at the core of this thing called Christianity, when we read verses that the Lord Jesus said, you can hold you as I hold you also be perfect as I am perfect. Each one of us can look in the mirror every single day and know fail that so we're absolutely sure that what we're going through is ordained by God because of our own life. And this is according to this verse and many others, some of which I'm going to read to you, that is not the case. I want you to think about this for a second. I want you to think about the people that you know that are successful in the world. The people that you know. Do they go to church? Do they love God? They serve God, and yes, look at how successful some of them are. Now, you can, the whole world can do Psalm 73. As for me, my feet almost slipped when I looked at the prosperity and wicked and jealousy filled my heart. But listen, forget about that. Read that later on just to see somebody else's perspective. Understand this. Please. Like, everything in my life revolves around me. 
Like every manipulation, everything, every story, every little lie, every everything is about me. I've spent my whole life over concerned about me. She said this to me, and she did that, and they did this, and you're like, wow. I remember looking back at my life about 10 years after I got saved and going, oh my goodness. What was wrong with I am I was and so self-absorbed. How it affects me and me and me and me and me. Anybody? Anybody? I was the greatest of that. Only God can break us of that. Because let me tell you something. Been with my wife now for over 30 years. Do you have any times? Any idea how many times she told me, my love. You're not one of the most selfish people I've ever met in my life. And I was like, I'm not. I bring home money. There's food in the cupboard. Oh, you supplied that food to you? Uh, excuse me. Who went to work today? Me or you? Yeah, I was just home doing nothing, taking care of your four kids. And I look back at those days and it's like, I mean, I'm not sorry. Nobody understands. Nobody gets it. 
And that's again, and that's why I want to remind you too. When Paul to vote, don't tell me that. Listen, you're depressed. You can use this piece of wood That's an answer. Whatever's happening to you, you can't be violent. You can't. No, don't tell anybody. Don't talk to nobody. That's not where the end is done. And then the first time you talk to somebody about your depression, you find out there's other people that are depressed. Now all of a sudden this weird weight lifts off your shoulders, and then you go, why didn't I just talk to somebody earlier? And the third reason that you go through trials is the worst. Because that's just the way it is. It lands on the just and the unjust. And that's not the one that you want to hear. That's the last one you want to hear. Here. He talks about it this way. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The treasure being the Holy Spirit of God. The earthen vessel being our body, which is basically 80% water. 85% water, something like that, and 15% dust, dirt. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power of God. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down and not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. As 2 Corinthians 4 7 through 10, in case you want to write that one down and do a tattoo of it later on your arm, to read it when you need it. But why? I mean, I want you to step outside this thing. Step outside the box for a second and ask yourself, but why? There's only one answer that you come up with. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about a composite sketch, that some things in the Bible weren't specifically enumerated, so you have to come up with a composite sketch, and you list all these things down, and you have to kind of almost calculate the reason. You want to know why? Because we're here temporarily for a short time, and this is not eternity. Those that don't believe in God, those that don't believe in hereafter, the Bible says, for surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. For surely there is a hereafter. We are here going through these things. Everybody goes through them, no matter how good or how bad, no matter how strong or how weak, no matter how smart or how big, no matter how pretty or how ugly, it doesn't matter. We're all going through these things. And the simple reason is because this is the test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. The sound that you are about to hear. And if you don't look at life like that, don't you understand how selfish, how arrogant, how full of yourself? You know, there used to be, I forgot what movie, yeah, I remember, it was, um, um, remember the Titans. There's a scene in a number of times where he goes, he goes, I've got to get mine. I'm going to get mine. And he looks at me and goes, because that, that's the worst attitude I've ever seen. He looks at me and goes, attitude? Attitude becomes the future. Oh, he's amazing at that one. Attitude becomes the future. I am the pastor of the church. My leadership must reflect 
the belief that while I am here, I've got to tirelessly serve God until I see him face to face, because I believe I will see him face to face. If I just got to get mine, then who's my leadership? And then how are you guys going to react? I'm worried about how many people show up, how many people don't show up. What, 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 what I got to worry about here? What do I got to worry about here? I gotta worry about one thing. Giving you this word. Unadulterated, pure. That's it. If you like it and receive it, hallelujah. If you run from it, man, that's not between you and the Lord. Cannot be concerned with those things. But here's what I believe from the composite sketch of everything that I'm going through and everything that we have read in the Bible. We're here for a short while. That's what Bob used to say. It's that little lie. On the headstone, in your birthday and your decade, here's your bread. How are you living in that bread? And my job as a pastor is to prepare the saints for the work of ministry. And I'm telling you something. You've got to let go of the self pity. you got to stop telling yourself that God's punishing you and you're doing wrong. You're going through it, you're going through it, you're going through it, you're going through it. Get up and get busy. Stop it. God's not mad at you, man. He's just loving it. Don't think it's. It's not strange. It's not peculiar. You're not being punished. And then if you need 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it's not going to give you more than you can bear. No temptation is seized you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, and He will not let you have. More than you can take is the Lord. Now, here's what my brain does because I'm 56 years old and there's people around me dying. I go, yeah, you know what? If you could guarantee me I'm going to get raptured, then I'm kind of cool with it. But that whole dying in a in, in, in hospital bed thing on a dryer, yeah, I'd like not to go through that. Can I, can I punch my car on that one? Thank you. Again, that's not just good when we're strong. He's better when we're weaker. And no matter who it is, no matter what they've gone through, God has never given his children more than they can bear, even in a hospital bed, even through a car accident, even through divorce, even through pain, even through privilege. God has never given his saints more than they can handle. He's like, I've got you. Under the shadow of my wings until these calamities have passed. Under the shadow of my wings, you will rejoice. I need this. I get weak. I'm finding myself looking at the other side of, of life. You know that there's an old saying, like once you're over the hill, it just gets faster. <laughs> Girl, you are though, man. You know you're like ageless, but we are not gonna age like you, Anita. Man, wherever you're going, that's where we all want to go. Give us that name. Hallelujah. Now. He says something 
that kind of reveals the, uh, the explanation. Uh, verse 14, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of the glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. Please give your attention. Now, because I've said all that as, a, as more than an introduction, please understand this. The more serious you are about the Lord, the more you're going to suffer for Christ's name. Like, when I'm doing everything right, Thank you. That's why you're suffering. No, 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 no. I heard about this church, the Word of Faith movement. I think it's over there on Byron's Road. And they said, if I believe, I wouldn't get sick and die. If I believe, I can actually tell God I need more money. I'm being asked to walk around in a shark's skin suit. Some of you here that has a seed offering, a seed offering of $10,000, just take it. It's you. And if you put $10,000 in that box there, and then you remember what a seed offering, God will reward you with $100,000. And you need to believe how many of them do that. And you watch it. There's a dude on TV named Crepolo Dollar. Dude, Dollar. That's his real name. Crepolo Dollar. Now, some of you guys might be here saying yourself, man, I don't know if I would talk about other people like that. And, you know, you should make fun of other people's state. All right, well, hold that thought. Hold that thought. We're going to get there. Because when you are going through trials, we just read on your part, he's glorified, but on their part, he's blasphemed. So know this, the people that are prosecuting you, persecuting you, hurting you, putting you down, because you're a Christian, are blaspheming God. You go, glorify God. And that's why it's like, I'm trying to tell you, that's why I gave you that introduction. That's not man, it's a contrary. You're going through things you're glorifying God. And that's your reward, so to speak. <laughs> Great reward, right? They were saying in football, it's not the guy who did the first, it's not the guy who did the, who did the um, penalty, it's the guy that retaliated. God sees the first, oh my God. God sees the penalty. Don't retaliate. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. And he gives kind of a caveat there. He goes, look, I know that you might be new in the Lord. I'm paraphrasing here. Believe me, I'm, I'm kind of using a little sanctified imagination. But basically he says, you that are still dealing drugs and you're still in the church, you that are robbing people, you that are not, he says, yeah, if you're suffering, because you're a murderer or a thief or something like that, just don't apply to Now, here's the great thing about it. I'll still see you through that. But you're going through trials for a whole different reason. You guys have got that. He's not saying you need to do the best you can. He's, he's, he's saying appointed, pointedly, straightforward. You should not be suffering and blaming it on Christ. Because you're a murderer or a thief. 
or a busybody. You're not suffering for Christ's reproaches. You're suffering because you're stupid. Now, I'll still see you through that because that's the kind of God I am. But you know what you got to do? You got to give up. You got to give up. The crazy thing about walking with the Lord is when you first come in, he doesn't take all everything from you. He lets you hold on to a few things. He's good enough to take one or two things from you, and that kind of messes you up because you're like, oh, supernatural. I've had guys get saved supernaturally. I knew this guy, uh, John Renstor. He was smoking these cake crack things, these cakes of crack, and he used to smoke them. And from the day he got saved, quit them. Quit them, day one, radical salvation, amazing. But there's some other things. I remember one of that can't stop. And he lists the sins. I'd be like, oh, what? Yeah, but, but I, I don't even have the desire to smoke crack. Yeah, but here's what he's going to do. I used to tell him, when God goes like this, he'll be going to get he wants. Because if he has to pry your hands off the later, it might not be good to you. He's not like. And, and I've said this before, and this freaks people out. Believe it or not, the day you got to get saved, you don't have to be a white Anglo-Saxon Republican, uh, you know, um, fill in the whatever thing you believe that Christian looks like for the world. You don't. Sometimes it might take a little while to just grow into the who you are. One of the things I don't like about the fish on the back of the car is because the best Christians I know don't look kind of like each other. Wow, that's amazing. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, verse 16, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be end of those who do not obey the gospel? Now, makes a left hand here. And this is going to be a little bit controversial for some of you guys. Some of you guys might think this is what I'm about to say. It might even be wrong. And I'm willing to stay at the church and talk to you if you want to hear about it. However, listen to me. Judgment begins where? Why the house of God? Because according to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and if you would be so kind as to keep your place here and turn just a few pages to the left, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, super, super important, given what we just learned. Verse 1 of chapter 5, Book of 1 Corinthians says it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and sexual immorality as it's not even named among the Gentiles. When a man has his father's wife and grew up puffed up and had not rather warned that he has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in the body, the presence of the spirit, have already judged, as though I were present, him who has done such this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are gathered together along with my spirit. The power of our Lord Jesus Christ delivers such a one to save the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Now, here's a, 
robot and I don't and I didn't write it down. But that coincides with this other verse that says, with the same God that wrote it, the apostle Paul wrote, what have I to do with judging the world? The world God judges. You want to find out what you real quick so I can tell people what you're doing and it what have I to do with judging the world? I thought I wrote that way. There's a reason. So, now, what does this mean to what I'm saying? Please, again, refocus, stay with me. I gave you some comfort, but now I want to give you a little bit of understanding. Listen to me. I don't care outside these four walls what man marries what man, what girl marries what girl. It ain't my business. That's their business. If they don't know God, they're going to do everything that they can do out of the world. My pastors always say, don't be surprised when the world acts like the world. I am not a politician. I am not. Now, you're asking to vote for or against it. You're not going to vote against it. But you know what? The only thing I can control is what goes on here. And at this church, at this pulpit, I've never married a man to another man. I can't do that. Do you want me to judge them? Why would I do that? I'm not the judge. God is the judge. Romans 2.16, read it. No, that's not it. Where is it? Did I, did I not read it? Did I get that for Oh, yeah, here it is. This, this is why I read in the chapter. Same chapter, verse 3, verse 5. For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? And those that are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. If they flaunt their sin in the church, it's our job to confront them. Look, you've been walking with the Lord how many years? You've been doing that? That ain't, that, ain't, that ain't for us. You're a bad witness to our children here. You've been here long enough now. Now, two gay people come to church and they sit down and they want to sit next to each other. They're welcome. I have no problem. And as long as you ain't hitting on me or mine, you can welcome anybody that comes to this church. I don't care what kind of crackhead, prostitute, drug addict, gay, straight, trans, I don't care. I'm intimidated by no man over. I want them all to be here. But there is a time where it's like, look, we need to grow up now. You've been here how many years? You ain't wrapping your head around this message yet? Because that generally means that I'm doing something wrong. The whole movement, now when I was growing up in the church, they had this thing called the, uh, the um, New Age, not New Age, what was it called? That movement, uh, um, yeah, of course it was that movement that was going on in the church for, it was like, uh, emergent. emergent. Come as you are, stay as you are. Come as you are, stay as you are. Now, all these churches, multi-mega churches, tens of thousands, they don't talk about the cross. They don't talk about the blood. They don't talk about sin. They don't, as long as a lot of people are showing up, that's all that matters. And they look at their church. Look how many people. Like if you ever want to see something like embarrassing us all get out, ask one of these mega church pastors if he believes that homosexuality is a sin. And there's a ton of them online on YouTube. What about YouTube? Is homosexuality a sin? We ask 20 pastors. And you look at it and you're just, oh. And you know what I'm embarrassed about? I'm going to tell you what I'm embarrassed about most. That these people think themselves important enough to make a YouTube video. 
if it's set up here? There's no answer to that question. Why are they asking me that question? You think they're asking a question, well, I was thinking about being gay, uh, if it's sin or not. No! No, they want to cancel you. They want to hurt you. They want to defame your name. You know what I always say when somebody else says, yeah, I tell you what, I'll make the deal. I'll answer that question when you show up to church. You come to church with me on Sunday, we'll go to church together, and after I'll answer that question. But until then, why do you think yourself so important that you're going to make YouTube videos? Why are these people, pastors, and musicians making YouTube videos? Judgment begins where? The house of God. When God judges the world, come on, severe more. How people will be in trouble. Now, Brian, you have to give me another verse for that. Turn back. You're to finish. We're done. I'm just going to close. Go back to 1 Peter chapter 4. Let's finish out this. Again, for the time has come for judgment to begin in the house of God and begin with us first. What will we enter those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him and doing good as to a faithful creator. Now, watch. Everything is going to be put together now. I'm about to read here. I want you to understand this. God allows all of us to go through trial. Those that are in the world, those that are in the church. God is not at any point in time finding favors with us over them when it comes to trials. We get to go to heaven. We should have no complaints. As a matter of fact, if I was God, you go through any kinds of trials that they go through. Let them see how we go through trials so they cannot go through hell. But I'm not God. Here's a story. If you want to turn there, you can. Matthew chapter 13. Verse 24 starts. You can just listen, or if you want to be quick finger, turn in. This is called the parable of the wheat and the tares. Wheat, you guys understand what wheat is? It grows up. It's like a, a stalk of grass that keeps getting taller, and then it gets this beautiful... Uh, flowery head on it, and then the little uh, seeds that come off of it, you grind up and you make bread. Right? Tares, though, the exact um, interpretation of the word he uses there in tares, which we're about to read, I just want to read you first, is called the bearded darnel. Mentioned only in Matthew, which we're about to read, it is the lolium hemolentum. It's a species of ryegrass, the seeds of which are strong, soporific poison. It bears closest resemblance to wheat till the ear appears, and the only difference is discovered. It grows plentifully in Syria and Palestine. So, as we read this, and we talk about the wheat and the tares, the guy's going to a field collecting the wheat, and the guy says, Hey, I thought this was it's a tear. Well, what does that mean, Ryan? I don't care Here, the Lord Jesus is going to tell a parable where things are going to represent other things. And he who has ears, he who is studying, he who is interested, he who is concerned about such things, he who believes what the Lord Jesus Christ had to say has some value and importance. 
don't know what you're doing. You better find yourself doing the right job this time. See, the great thing about a parable is there was any hope. It's one. Matthew 13. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in the field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. But the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in the field? How then does that tares? He said to them, Enemy has done it. The servant said to him, you want us then to go and gather them up? And he said, no. Because while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, and gather the wheat into my farm. Now, listen, let me explain to you. Ready? Here's the interpretation. Ready? Here's the interpretation. He who sows the good seed, that's God, the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus. The field is the world. Not the church. Not the church. The field is the world. The good seeds, those are the sons of the kingdom. Most of you. You're in the world, though. Growing up with the world, suffering the same things as the world. You can't tell the difference until the ear is produced and something starts to happen. And now what's the difference? Well, the wheat says, comes with all the time. Comes with all the time. You know what the, the tares do? They curse God. Ah, how could you let this happen to me? The tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. Huh. Now, did I come up with that interpretation myself? Just about six or seven verses later. He says, And Jesus sent a multitude away and went to his house. I'm sorry, went to the house. And his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the tares in the field. He answered and said to them, who sows the seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels, who will gather out of his kingdom all that offend those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. Dwell in national teeth, and the righteous will shine forth as a son from the kingdom of their father. You have the years that you have. See how all this works together? So, what's the lesson I learned that, that, that we learned today that I learned? Well, number one, that's not meant to destroy your power. You start to harm yourself that way. Number two, it's just so important, you're not alone. It's wonderful to try to talk to somebody else. You'll find out you're not the only one having marriage problems, you're not the only one having health problems, you're not the only one that's depressed, you're not the only one whose voices are telling them different things in their head. Do you understand? Yeah. 
to learn the the house about The world, oh, hey, every week we're going to go together out there. The only time you know one thing about it is being sure. There might be some praise the Lord, praise the Lord. There might be some in this church and that church. There might be some like Creflo and Kilkeen. Guys that are out there now. End of the age. Billy Graham said, You're going to be more surprised about being honest than having one of these. With that one. I hope you get some comfort from today. Understand that I have to be more straightforward now in here than I am out there. Because it ain't my job to judge the world. Although I want to, believe me, I want to. I especially see the political climate that's going on there and the persecution and prosecution. I mean, what's going on in, in Canada? Straight tyranny? I want to, and, and here's the thing. So, so this, this guy in Canada, he goes and he prays for the truckers and he gets arrested. And you find out that the pastors been arrested like five times in the last two years. And he wouldn't go to those Where you're not going to be able to you know, the picture 
picture in the Old Testament was, um, you guys have seen the, uh, the bronze serpent in the doctor's office? It's got the picture of the two snakes. Well, that's, that's a reference to um, something in the Bible called the Matushka, which is, um, is a, uh, it's a symbol that was made by um, Moses. And when people were getting bit in the wilderness by snakes and dying, God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get a bronze serpent and you nail it to a pole. Everybody that looks to it will be saved. And back then, most of them were like, well, This is a bizarre as that. People are going to get by make a bronze serpent. How about a poison extractor, God? How about maybe an injector? I mean, like, thank God that Moses was born. Right? He just did it. And now, having 2,000 years, we look back and go, Again, snakes, sin. The world, all of us have been bitten by it. Bronze serpent is the one who knew sin, sin for us. That we must be forgiven in the time of grace. Oh, the time of grace is almost over, guys. The Lord Jesus' second coming. We're going to be new believers, are going to be raptured, sucked right out of this thing like a whistle. Then we're going to have to go through some hard times. But you are here and you have not yet surrendered your heart and your life to Christ. It's a real simple thing. You just say, Good God, I believe, and I'm going to walk with you. It's really, really simple. But let me tell you something that happened. When I first got saved, I sat in my seat and I said the prayer of salvation, but I talked myself out of it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to pray for you. Because I saw all these people standing up and walking forward. But those people definitely stood up and walked forward. I think it's whole thing for myself. So I promised myself, anytime I gave up, an opportunity for people to get saved, I was going to stand up. If you're here and you want us to pray with you, you want to say that prayer. That way you can't confuse yourself. Just stand up to your feet and I will lead you in the prayer. I'll give you the words as long as it's your heart. That way, I, I love what James McDonald said one time. He goes, I think if the, the creator of the whole universe comes and takes up residence in your heart, you might remember that day. And I think that day for some of you is today. So um, the prayer is going to sound like this. Your God, I open my heart and I will say, My God, you are my friend, you are safe, you are my sins, and God will stay part of you. I'm going to lead you in that prayer. And we're all going to say that prayer with you. We're going to encourage you in this thing. So if you're here, don't let any time that's passed, if you have any doubt, let me tell you what it's just like. Like we're doing a baptism tonight. In an hour and a half, I'm going to be down the beach. You're right now, some of you guys in the valley of indecision. No. You know, I was baptized in the Catholic Church. I got baptized when I first got saved. And maybe it don't matter. There's no like law against getting baptized again. We baptize people who've been baptized all the time. If you're here and you're feeling a pull, yeah, I want to get baptized. Man. I want to get baptized with my wife. I just started a new ministry. I want to get baptized. I, 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 I'm changing my life again. And I just rededicated. Don't let the lies of the brain 
lies in the enemy that a lot of people think I'm immune. Forget about that. Let God know you're immune. I'm immune, okay? I'm going to say that prayer today. Yes, 25 years, some 28 years later, I'm a newbie. Don't know near as much about God as I thought I did when I first got saved. So, you want to say that prayer? You want to say it? Anybody else? Stand up. Confession, confession. Christians, just be praying that if there's anybody else that nobody else here doesn't think it's necessary. Nobody else here. It's not to make this thing right once and for all. No more games. Just come on, stand up. You that are standing up, and you that are still sitting down, you never want to say the words. Repeat this prayer out loud. Meaning, from your heart, as you said. Dear God, I open my heart and I invite you inside. To be my God, to be my Savior, and to be my friend. Forgive me my sins. Come on, Father. All the days in my life. Especially all that just stood up. What a great day to get saved and baptized in the same way. Glorify God.